be um, reading out. Thank you, Mark. Today we're going to be reading out of the big book. Uh, and if you have your big books available, we're going to we're going to look at page sixty. We're going to look at page 60, 68. First full paragraph on page 68. And it says that we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper. Even though we had no resentment in connection with them, we asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance had failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it, made it, when it made us cocky, it was worse. Perhaps there's a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns just to the extent that we do as we think he would ha have us and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what we, he would have us be at once we commence to outgrow fear. All right, Paul, I hope you can get something out of that today. And um, thank you all for being here. Well, Paul, Paul, thanks to everyone for having us here. Uh, yeah, this is a fundamental part of the book when he's going over the fear inventory. So they give us a condition that we may not know we're in, which is reliance on self, which is really the Petri dish where the fear and anxiety can grow and get reinforced. So if you want to see a diagnosis in the book, here's one right here where they ask a question, why are we in so much fear today? And the answer is, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? Yeah, so there you go. Now, we know how it feels like with the fail part of it. We know sort of what fear means. But what does self-reliance mean? What does it look like when there's a reliance on self? What does it look like in your life? How does it feel? What's the activity that keeps supporting it? So I feel reliance, obviously, is you're depending on something yeah, else other than you in a way. We call it us, but we're not. We're actually depending on this idea of self. So there's a reliance on this idea of self, and therefore there's a lot of faith and trust in the systems that are of, of mental nature, which is the thinking and the, and the remembering and the perceiving. And we believe we're getting clean and clear data and we're making clear and cl clean decisions from that data. So the reliance tends to be noted by the believing in the thoughts that are happening in our head. 
Yeah. So there's a faith in those thoughts. And he says here in one of the paragraphs, the whole better way is trusting something infinite rather than finite selves. Well, the act of really trusting finite self is faith in the thoughts, really. And the problem resides in the thoughts and the problem talks to us as us. So the problem gives its view of things and we and it becomes our view of things through the act of being identified as self. Yes. So alcoholic thoughts are seen as ours. Uh, this is what happens when you come into recovery. You realize a lot of people seem to have your thoughts because the thoughts are quite similar <laughs> for all addicts and alcoholics. The difference is the name of the thinker of the thoughts, which is Paul, Mary, Jim, Bill. And this is what keeps us uh, unable to get the help we need because there's a terminal uniqueness in a basically shared disease. Yeah. So that we feel like we're the, the one unique uh, sufferer of this disease when the disease is shared, so to speak. Yeah. It's like alcoholics drive alcoholic behavior that drive alcoholic reactions and that produce certain consequences that we don't want to have yeah and this reliance on self is the root of the problem now how is there the reliance on self yeah we're identified as the thinker of the thoughts that are in ours yeah we're identified as the feeler of every feeling that goes through this body and every emotion that's felt and usually completely misinterpreted. A lot of people still believe excitement is anxiety. Yeah, they can't, We can't even tell the difference of that. We're excited to go to a beautiful place. We can't tell the difference uh, then from anxiety. So... Uh, I love that, that diagnosis, self-reliance has failed us, is why we're in so much fear. Now, most people would have a different answer, wouldn't they? Really. If you were sitting down at a coffee shop with somebody you're working with, they probably wouldn't say, oh, I'm in the state of self-reliance failing me. They say, you know, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. I'm afraid... I'm never going to meet another person to love or to be loved. Yeah, I'm afraid of tons of things. There'll be a clarity around the fear and maybe what they believe is the cause of the fear, which usually isn't the case anyway. But let's just say there's an assurance that it's because I'm not in a relationship that I'm in this kind of condition, let's say. <laughs> but very rarely do they see the real reason why this anxiety is so uh, amped up is reliance on self, which is the diagnosis. So he just talked about, all right, why are you in so much fear today? So fear can be a pretty big category and you can be afraid of thousands of things, let's say. Yeah, but he's not going to the of of the fear. It's going to the cause of the fear, which is self-reliance. Yeah, that's the diagnosis. If you're a big book thumper, thump on that. Yeah, because that's the diagnosis in the big book. It is. Self-reliance has failed us. 
and they talk about it a lot in the uh, we agnostics that we had abject faith in this re this idea of reasoning which is what thinking shit over yeah the reasoning is thinking you know and so there's reliance on a thought system that's infected with alcoholism yeah so the alcoholism has access to us through the thoughts and it leads us to a fuck it and then suggests what to do when we're at that fuck it, which is might as well drink or, you know, kill yourself or something else. And it keeps wanting to bring us to that fuck it because at that point, whatever it whispers in our ear, we're pretty much probably going to take to be true. Yeah, because we have faith in that reasoning and it's going to lead us to a drink. And then the genie's out of the bottle and you're going to live its wishes, not yours. You're not going to get three wishes. You're going to get its fucking wishes, which is usually institutions, jails, and death for some of us. So yeah, you get three wishes, institutions, jail, and or death. Wow! I hit the jackpot. <laughs> I was circling in those three wishes for quite a many years, really, a lot of years. Just barely getting by the death, but constantly visiting institutions in jail. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you think you're a, such a unique Ford and you take off on a course of action and then you end up in a huge parking lot of Fords, you, missed, you probably weren't the driver of the Ford. <laughs> Something drove you to where it drives a lot of other Fords which is institution, jails, and death. That should give us a hint that there's some foreign influence that's overriding all of our unique personalities. <laughs> so basically, the starting point is admitting out we're powerless. Yeah, We're powerless because we didn't stop the takeover. We're being used by this old employer. We're not getting too many fringe benefits, but we're seemingly all on the payroll, which is I'm indebted to the employer. I owe him money. <laughs> so, I mean, we must know the feeling of bondage of self. Yeah. You know, if the bondage to self isn't like maybe complete solitary confinement. It's the bondage of self is incapable of having a viable relationship with another person. Yeah. The bondage of self is you have the ability to reach 12 feet, but you can only seemingly reach six feet. Yeah. You're bound by something. Yeah. It's keeping you back. It's like the marathon runner in a closet. You would say the marathon runner is bound by that closet. Yes. It wants to do a long run, but it can't because it's in a closet. So this is sort of like the bondage of self. And the bondage of, of self supports the bondage of self. Self can't get out of self, you see, yeah? That's an important thing to sort of inquire around. What does that statement mean, self can't get out of self? Because if you fall under that category, it's good to know. <laughs> it's good to know that self can't get out of self, especially if you're in that activity. Yeah, so that maybe something could come in and some wisdom could show up and you freaking stop trying to get out of self as self. Yeah? 
So, yeah, this is the fear of inventory. And again, I don't, I like to look at the inventory process as how self has defeated us by its manifestations and fear is one of those manifestations of self. So when I do a fear inventory, I don't call the fear my. I don't say these are my fears. Yeah. And I don't believe I have fear. The feeling is when when a f- fear is going on, it seems to have me. Yeah. So I don't feel like I have alcoholism. I feel alcoholism has me. Yeah. It's a totally different way of looking at it. But it works for me. Yeah. And that's why I share it, tell you the truth. I mean, I've had stabilized relief from the bondage of self for many, many, many years. And it wasn't because of any Herculean task that no one else could perform. It basically, I feel like I saw the root of the problem. And I stopped calling self's manifestations mine in life, really. And I took a lot of shit that I used to call mine, and I saw it as self, and I brought it to step six and seven. And I asked that shit to be reconfigured and to be put to better use by a power greater than what I was living from under. Yeah, under, yeah. So there you go. Six and seven to me, you know, is when you, it's it's sort of like when you, you offer up your face and you get your ass back, so to speak. You offer up this image of self and you get your fate, your ass back. Yeah, you start actually living life and you're present and available and therefore you're of service and a lot of things happen on a such a, 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 a base level of changing your attitude and outlook to maybe an attitude of gratitude and this is more than enough, yeah, from someone who had a huge sense of an entitlement and was never fucking satisfied, yeah? So this is what can happen. You can have an incredible personality change and it can stabilize, yeah? You can actually live as if the problem does not exist as you today. In fact, because it doesn't, yeah? It doesn't exist as us. It's foreign to us, yeah? Please see it that way because that imagery allows a possibility of being free from it to gain traction in you. If not, you're going to try to be free as self and then you'll be caught in that net of self can't get out of self, yeah? So the freedom in my own life was brought about by seeing self as other. As soon as I saw self as other, the possibility that I could be free from it became available. Yeah. And that became, that became the target of the directed growth of the program was freedom from the bondage of self. Yeah. The drinking and the drugs stopped and I have no interest in drinking and drugs, but the the dilemma is there's still, there could be still a huge interest in self. <laughs> Which may want to drag you back to a fuck it where drinking and drugs will seem attractive again. But in fact, if you get relief from the core issue, then the little, uh, the old habits don't seem to have that much attraction. Yeah. 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 I don't see drinking and drugs as a solution ever. <laughs> I just don't. 
it doesn't fall into my circle of a solution. Yeah. So, <laughs> but the relief obviously isn't from drinking and drugs. It's relief from the bondage of self. Yeah, that's sort of the goal in a way. And we can't produce that or promote it in a sense. So we surrender in a way, or we admit our powerlessness, and then we're infused with power, yes? And then there's a sense of something doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, a very strong sense. And to me, in that understanding is a built-in humility, yeah? You don't, real, you don't see yourself as the doer, and hopefully it applies to the shit you used to do when you were loaded also. I see sometimes it only stays on the side of recovery. Like I give all grace and all gratitude to the higher power. Why not fucking pin the shit on the lower power? I don't understand why. We keep, cause, we keep claiming all this shit that was done through us by the lower power while we're, we're surrendering and, and, and giving great honor to the higher power for what it's doing through us. Why don't we recognize something else was doing through us what we would have never done by ourselves? Yes, really. I would have never fucking farmed a rug looking for imaginary cocaine. I wouldn't. That was brought about by some conditions that I was, I was in. Yeah, it did, really. I didn't try to buy an acre of rug at my dealer's house so I could comb through it and maybe come up with a few granules of cocaine. That wasn't like on my agenda, my monthly agenda. I was brought there. Yeah, I was used for transportation. And I did some incredible shit, really that I could never have even come up with. And I used to see it happen. You want to see all pretense of control be dismissed like that. Smoke freebase with people. I would see people fucking give anything up as soon as they exhaled that shit out of their lungs. Their pants fell off. They would do fucking anything to get another hit. You're telling me people chose that? Give me a fucking break. Yeah, something overwhelmed them and used them for transportation and got had had a great time expressing a lot of base instincts. Yeah, like fucking really shitty stuff I saw. And those people may have been good for 20 fucking years. After one hit of freebase, they were fucking insane. You're telling me that... <laughs> We can't be, our security of being a long-lasting, independent, separate thing can't be breached by a fucking parasite of the mental state. Of course it can. We're, we're taken over all day. We're taken over by lust or anger or shit like that all fucking day. Shit's coming through. Now we need to have a better guardian than the old boss. Yeah? Because the old boss likes to amplify a lot of shitty elements, you know? vindictiveness, being right, fucking blaming everyone else. Yeah. So I don't know. It's clear today. It's clear as day to me that I'm not that. Thank God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and doing the inventories in that way led me not to have to do that much inventory. Yeah. Because when I see, uh, an example of self 
I just bring it to step six and seven and ask it to be reconfigured. To me, it's energy, yeah? It's been put into one form by the by self, and then I have the higher power put it into another form, yeah? So basically, that same energy that's enslaving me to yesterday and tomorrow is now enriching my day, yeah? It's the same juice. It's just who's, who's sculpting it. It's the same clay, but who's sculpting it? I've had enough of the fucking idols of statues of self. Yeah. Yeah. So perhaps there's a better way trusting something infinite rather than finite self. Why not admit that, that there's been a lot of trust in finite self? Yeah. Start there. Because if you try to trust the infinite as finite self, that's just more trust in finite self. Yes, you have to see that. Yeah. When I have faith in this to trust the infinite, that's faith in this. Yeah. I'm not having faith in, in the infinite. I'm having faith once again in finite self. <laughs> that's the dilemma. Yeah. If you, if you set out on a course, you take a two-year course to, to lose interest in self, that could be construed as interest in self, yeah? If it's self taking the course, that's self trying to get out of self. All that is is more interest in self, yeah? That which is playing God quits playing God. That's playing God. You can't get out of it. Yeah, that's the great news. You can't get out of it. That's the great news. Because what is revealed to us is you're not in it. You see, that's why all your escapes never worked. Because your escapes were furthering the reality of what you were in and you're not in it. Yeah, you're not of a mental state. If you were of a mental state, that would be the beginning. You would only see everything from the mental state. You would never see the mental state. But we see the mental state all day because we're not the mental state. Yeah? We're before it. We're awareness. We're spirit. Whatever you want to call it. Consciousness. We are something other than the mental state. Yeah? That's why we can observe it. That's why you can see the bondage of self from something other than self. Yeah? That's what the pause gives us a free sample of in recovery. People have an experience. It's a shared one. I don't know. And it's intimate with each person. But we have a statement called pause where something, everything sort of stops, and yet there's something there, which is us, yeah? And it's way before thought, obviously. You can feel it. It does. It's not brought about by thought. It definitely isn't. It stops thought. There's a pause, yeah? And then the emperor has no clothes, and you see what you really are, and by seeing what you're not, really. So this mental preoccupation of presenting you all day as this historical figure, this Paul, is bondage. Yeah. 
It's how you feel when you go to see your family a lot of the time. I remember when I used to go back to New York, I'd be in the city first because I couldn't go immediately to Long Island. It'd be too much. So I'd spend a couple of days in New York City with my friends. Then I'd take the train to where I grew up. And each stop I'd pass, I could feel this presence take over me, which was this whole idea of being the black sheep of the family. So when I arrived... I felt I was wearing my arrest history. Yes. <laughs> All my fucking <laughs> sins. It was bondage of fucking self. I hated being over there. Yeah. This is sort of what it's like. It's like trying to grow out of an old idea with your family members watching you every second. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. The old ideas have you. Yeah. You don't have them. They have you. Yeah. So if it says you got to let go of all your old ideas, why not start with the oldest one, which is that you're a self? <laughs> yeah, that's a damn old idea. You didn't have it when you were a baby. You didn't. You picked it up. <laughs> and then you thought you had it, and it ended up having you. Yeah, to the point I had to get out of it. And I would do almost anything to get a little bit of relief from it. Yeah. I would pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. That was pretty much the drive. So, yeah, there is a solution. Yeah. In a way, it's actually more important to see the problem. And the problem obviously isn't drinking or drugs. That's maybe the immediate facet of the problem, but it's the underlying causes and conditions that lead us to the drinking and the drugs. And the denial of our condition, which is most of us here are probably real alcoholics or real addicts. We've lost any ability to predict what's going to happen if we pick up. Yeah. If you're in that dire condition, uh, there's no there's no room for fooling around. You can't tease that big dog. You know it's you don't want it to wake up. <laughs> you just don't. You don't want it to enter the enter your life again. I've seen it so many times. You know I speak to people. Hmm. Hmm. Well, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody want to raise their hand? And Gabe, I saw your hand up, but maybe your question got answered. Oh, no. Back up. Yeah, I shouldn't want to leave it up. I didn't want to be rude. Uh, thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, you were just talking about it. It, it brought up um, an anecdote or a story you had uh, the, in your story about, you know, um, like when a casual relationship all of a sudden seems to become something more, um, you know, or has the ability to be something more than a casual relationship. It's like, I felt this like full blown shift, you know, I like that, that saying where it says, you know, wearing life like a loose garment. And that's very much how it felt, you know, until things seemed to maybe have, you know, be getting a little bit more serious, you know, like you said, like when love was on the table, it changed everything. And all of a sudden, all these defects end up popping up, you know, the fear of, being hurt, insecurities, all this stuff, almost like overnight. It's like it was someone I'd been, you know, telecommunicating over the past year, 
but like the moment I, I met her in person, you know, for the first time, it was just like this total shift. And you were saying just a minute ago that, you know, just the recognizing um, that that self and that is not me. There's that separation that now I can be free from it, that that initially was enough yeah. to kind of start the unwinding of that. Because when you're in the throes of it, like very much, it's still, you know, acute and it's driving me nuts. You know, and I have, I'm at least aware of that separation now, I think, which seems like a beginning to it. But yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be great if just the second you realize that problem's gone, you know, it's still very <laughs> early in the stages of, you know, kind of entertaining this idea, you know, which, which is profound, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess when you had that, when you first kind of, when that clicked, that separation, the possibility of being free from it. What are you talking, was there a lag time? Was it immediately everything changing or did it kind of take a while of entertaining that? Yeah, of course there was a lag time, but let's say a light showed up that didn't need to be lit, yeah? It's sort of like a light showed up that didn't need to be lit. It was on its light on its own, yeah? It became a profound, like, you know, like they talk about the, the archway to freedom and the keystone, yeah, which is this principle of uh, turning one's will and life over to the care of something greater than self, yes? Yeah. Well, this was sort of like uh, a keystone in that keystone, yeah, yeah. Once I saw it, because my whole life was living as if that was me. Yeah. So it was a huge, huge influence in everything. Yeah. It had a hand in everything because its narration, which was of it, was all about me. Yeah. And I had bought the me and therefore I was a slave enslaved to it. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a, that opened up a lot of possibilities. And I think it allowed, uh, Recovery to me is like laying on an operating table and the attitude you have is you don't get up and you don't play doctor. Yeah. And then by the evidence, it's not a leap of faith. This program works recovery. You recover from all these underlying causes and conditions. In other words, they change and maybe some won't, but they'll also be used to further you, you and other people. So there's value in everything. Yeah changed or not so yeah you submit yourself to this program or and it's really to this higher power this idea and then through the the auspices of the program you get worked on yeah and different things that you know things that will weigh pronounced get muted and other potentialities become expressed yes it's awesome and it's uh Talk about uh, a gratitude built in time. It's a beautiful gratitude because you remember what it was like and it's not like that at all. Yeah, which is unbelievable. It's, it just keeps uh, the feeling of honor and awe, like A-W-E, just blows my mind. Yeah. Just blows my mind. It's it's way past night and day. It's just like unbelievably different. Yeah. And I know uh, 
I'm not in a state of not knowing. I know something has done for me what I couldn't do for myself. Very, very clearly. <laughs> it's the basis of my life, really. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, this is it. This is the it's it's a light that's going to illuminate all the other parts of recovery. Yeah, when you recover from something, the sense of being that light becomes stronger and stronger. Yeah, so you start from let's say a spiritual condition instead of a mental physical condition. Yeah, so you start before thoughts, not after thoughts. That's a huge difference. Yeah. And so there's a, you know, when you're leaving a failed system and you're moving to something that works, there's gravitational pulls both way. So when you're leaving the failed system, it's old siren songs. It's like Ulysses keeps getting pulled back because it hears a golden oldie, like you're never going to be anything or whatever. And so there's the, the experiences like two steps forward, one step back. The interpretation says, it's only been steps back. But if you really see it, there's been two steps forward and then one pullback, yeah? So basically, you're being pulled out of that old gravity and getting taken into a new gravity. They used to call it like uh, in step six and seven that most people's uh, program is a moving away from hell, not a moving towards heaven. Well, then it starts becoming a moving towards heaven, yeah? Yeah. Now your, your recovery isn't fear-based. You're not like scared to death to be sober. Yeah. You're just going for the light, so to speak. Yeah. 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 So this all happens in what you call your life. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And then all of that that makes you useful is put to use. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So every one of us. If I don't, I'm not a believer that you have to have it to give it away. I believe if you're willing to give it away, you have it. That's how I see it. Yeah, that's how it's been with me. Yeah, I put myself in situations to share things and to lead certain workshops that I had no fucking resume to be up there. But I just, they asked me, I would put myself there and then something would do for me what I couldn't do for myself. And here we are right now, the exact same condition. <laughs> 30 years later, it was like three years into recovery. I did the first workshop. <laughs> and then, uh, it, yeah, it just took me and this is where we've ended up. So, yeah. Yeah, Gabe, I'm happy, always happy to see you. Because I know you're going to stay sober. Yeah. And then the other stuff will come. But that that first thing is so good. Like sometimes I, I, I have this, this privilege to go to this rehab in New Jersey. Yeah, over the years. Used to go twice a year. So I would see, you know, sometimes they have 60 clients other times. Yeah. So I would see some of them. And then I'd come back a few months later and see them. And there was some I would think, these people are going to stay sober. And then I see them, and they're still sober. And then I go back, they graduate. Now they're a yoga teacher. Now the other lady's working at another rehab. Yes, I saw their whole life fucking take off. Not day-to-day -day pictures, but a picture and then a couple months picture. Yeah, it was it's such an awesome thing to watch it happen, where... 
you know, instead of the darkness being promoted, the light is, yeah? And to see how the same carrier looks completely different when it's directed by the light than by the darkness. Yeah, it's just awesome. Awesome, what a joy. So you're in this process, but it's essential to, you know, this program to me is really about living in the condition of not drinking, not stopping it, but not starting it. Yeah. You just never started it again. <laughs> there you go. You just don't start drinking. <laughs> it saves so many phone calls and other shit. <laughs> So yeah, okay. Thanks, thanks for seeing. Thanks, thanks for being here, Gabe. You you get me excited about sobriety. I like that. Okay, Paul. We don't. I don't see any other hands up right now. Does anybody uh, have a question on where you're at today in your twelve steps? Any? Um, uh Jason. Jason. Jason W. from San Diego. Oh, a whole bunch of people asked, raising their hands now. I'm going to ask you to unmute, Jason. There we are. Thank you. Yep. One raises and they all raise. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Paul. Good to see you. Um, I actually asked you about this, I think, a few months ago, but it's still a sticking point for me. It has to do with uh, page 84 in the big book. It says, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God that wants to remove them, discuss them, Immediately make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone and then resolutely our, turn our thoughts to someone who can help. Love and tolerance is our code. And my experience is my life is happening so damn fast. And this seems like such a slow motion process they're talking about. I find at the end of the day that the only time that I caught myself, found myself in any of these was uh, when I was seriously disturbed by them or got into a serious resentment serious fear and i hear some people yeah. talking about really being able to watch this going on and i don't find that there's anything in me that can watch this going on yet anyway so no are you are you burning down houses and raping and pillaging no no yeah so <laughs> not at all you don't Maybe the relief you have is you don't need to have a, a microscope on every fucking thing. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. Right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And acceptance of uh, all of what's going on. Yeah. I feel that as like a, an example of free range alcoholism. Yeah. You just sort of, you said if it gets severe and shit, then you see it. Maybe there's no need to see it. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe I'm connecting it with maybe this desire to become spiritually perfect. Maybe, you know, well, yeah, some kind you doing inventories all day. <laughs> Not much time left over for anything else, huh? Like living. Yeah. I've run into people where, who I worked with, I had to tell them stop doing inventories because mm. they weren't enjoying sobriety at all. They just kept looking at it their motive ad nauseum to me it was just obsession with self in another right. form yeah. Yes. yeah so yeah i 
I uh, again, this was written about most of us at this point when this was written, the best anyone was in was sincerely taking the position. They really weren't established in it. They didn't even have four years, yeah? Right. So a lot of times when you're only in a sincere position, for it to establish, there's a lot of work to do, yeah? But when the when it's established, the work usually decreases, I feel. Mm. Yes? Yeah. And you may be in a in, in this at, at a certain point of being established, and what's causing an irritability is that fucking mental idea of perfection, which is just another aspect of what you're not really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is really helpful. Um, it's connected with something that my sponsor said. He told me that he said I'm not really that busy with step ten most of the time. No, I'm, I'm living. He's just living. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the big, okay. what's, there's an aspect of tool use, which is really cool is when you don't need to use the tool. That's fucking great. I feel, <laughs> I do. I think it's underappreciated. Mm. <laughs> I, really I mean, I did a lot of inventory when I was in, young. The first few years I did the 10 step every night. And it's funny, this lady who I used to go out with at the time thought I was crazy, but she went out after 21 years she came back and I was still there. So in a way that the right habits were formulated. But mm. then, like it said there, you shared, we asked that God to remove it. That's step six and seven. That's yes. mostly what happens now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. almost as if basically when you're dealing with self uh, and you're and you're in, been involved in the program for a while, it's like an Evelyn Woods speed reading because it's the same fucking story, self. It doesn't really have that many new tricks. So once you notice it, you can, you don't have to go over every comma and dot and hyphen. You just, the whole kit and caboodle, you can bring the six and seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, don't, I haven't seen any exotic animal samples of selfing. It's just a basic fucking stock version of claiming whatever's going on and using it to infer that there's a someone and that someone's never going to be loved or that someone's an asshole or that's so yes, yeah, somehow. Mm. And then it, it has you cloaked and it reinforces it. And that suit, when it, when the, problem progresses the suit just gets tighter and tighter yeah you just can't fucking jesus christ it's insane so this is like wearing things loosely yeah but you can't wear things loosely when you're wearing a very tight fucking suit you wear that loosely first and then you wear other shit loosely yes <laughs> yeah so i uh yeah, I don't do a daily inventory at night anymore. I haven't for a while. And to me, I see that as progress. Yeah. If I had a lot of shit, I would, but I don't. I can't even remember what happened. And all the thoughts I have, I can't, you know, I, they all sound like water in a babbling brook. You know, it's just, it's, it's just like a little 
a stumbling and a rumbling going by. They don't even listen. There's no specifics. There's some, uh, one bubble pops up, Bill or Amelia, some name, but basically it's just, it's just background noise, mostly. <laughs> I start where my feet are, yeah, and, and, and what's surrounding me. It's a pretty good place to start. Yeah. Not, you know what I what my feet are, but where my feet are. Yeah. What I'm seeing right now as we're talking and I'm reflecting on this is that this is bondage of self posing to be recovery. How yeah. how can I make Jason feel really that he's just not doing this right? He's not doing it good enough. I've had that song going on for years and decades in recovery. Well, there you go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, awesome. This the idea of self can't get out of self. The self plays the thief, and then when the thief runs out, it plays the policeman. Yeah, it's just <laughs> that's what it does. Yeah. So now you're in the policeman stage where you should be perfect. <laughs> and it's all obsession with self for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I go to see when I at the third year I had this I was the guy who had been running this workshop just panned it off on me. No one else would take it. So I started leading this four-step workshop. And I ended up doing it for 16 years. You know, I wasn't always in the country, but when I would come in the country, they would allow me to do it. And, uh, and that was a lot of Monday nights. 16 years of 52 Mondays is about, what, 600? So 600 different nights I was there seemingly. And I was in a lot of different conditions, emotional, material, physical, financial, all this stuff. And yet I, I saw that as long as I was willing to sit down, something came through. So I saw my, I saw self's absolute irrelevant. It was totally irrelevant. All I needed was my ass on the seat. That was my job. That's it. And something would come through. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm not a, you know, I do not. We used to have this, uh, like, a, a group within, in the group in San Francisco. We called them the pod people. And these people had come up with something of doing the whole, the, all the 12 steps in, like, one letter to God every day and they walk around with a notebook and be writing fears all day writing <laughs> fears yeah, doing it and then bam 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 and then they would come to where i was giving talks and sort of try to confront me and i would say well i don't want to be a uh, i don't want to be a great manager of fear i want to outgrow fear yeah i don't want to learn how to manage it i want to outgrow it yes my goal is not to have anxiety, not to be able to write anxiety old every day. <laughs> you know I, mean? I do. Yeah. It makes sense to me. You know? So yeah. because that's the dilemma. We have a solution to a problem, and then the solution can be part of the problem. Because the self, the obsession with self will migrate into the solution and the practice of the solution. Yeah? Exactly. You can see it. You can see rigidity and then fundamentalism and this and that and da da dee da 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 da. 
These are all cases of mental arthritis, yeah? It's what it does. It calcifies, yeah? This book was written not by those people. Something came through. If you read the 12 and 12, it has a whole different feeling than the big book. To me, the big book was a download. It was. It came yeah. through these people, but it was a download. It was not of them, yeah? The, the 12 yes. and 12 was Bill Wilson's view, let's say. The big book is not Bill Wilson's view. It isn't, yeah? It feels different, yeah? So there was a download, and more was more is going to be revealed, yes? The book is not a Bible. It's not a Bible. It was a... It was a, a design for living. And now a lot of people, they live that design for living. And that design for living gives freedom for a lot of manifestations of different designs within the framework of the design for living. It's not a jealous design for living. That there cannot be any other designs other than this design. It's not like that, I feel. I feel recovery is freeing. It's not regimental, it's freeing. And so this design for living allows a lot of other designs to be incorporated. Not to replace this design, but they'll all fucking amplify and themselves, yes? Like the, the, there's the one flower, the other 11 flowers in the bouquet aren't, a, aren't an attack of the one flower. They're increasing the, the whole effect. Yes? Yes. Yeah. This is, but see, the head will see everything as a threat. We fall into that Herbert Spencer warning, which is contemporary to investigation. Yeah. We do. It's so funny that it's it's a huge statement in the big book, but a lot of us are guilty of it. And thank God it's not us, but it's the head that we seem to be a carrier of has contempt prior to tons of it. It has tons of contempt prior to investigation. It thinks it's no, it knows, you know, why it can never sink while it's sinking in, with the Titanic. It's insane. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me it has contempt even after investigation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just has because contempt. Yeah. It just. Yeah. It has contempt. Yeah. yeah. Before, after, during. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Thank you, bro. I'm always yeah. happy to see you. Yeah. Thank you, Paul, very much. This really helped me a lot. God bless you. All right, Jason, thank you very much. All right, we have quite a few hands up, Paul. Next up, we have Joy. Joy, asking you to unmute. All right. Hi there, Paul. I just want to come on and say thank you. Um, that since listening to you on Tuesday night, um, um, I stopped listening to this cunning little booger up here and uh, looking at everything that false evidence appearing real and it's uh, it, it really gave me a kick up the pants that um, um, I you know I was looking at I, I think I just needed to do more meetings and talk to my sponsor more 
because the self, I was, as you said tonight, I mean, when I go back, um, the first time I went to AA was in 1984. Uh, of course, I didn't stay. And, and that was when I'd finished a course. And like you said about the courses earlier on, I only had to do one. But because of the bondage itself and the pride and the ego, I did about four, which took a lot of money and a lot of time. And I was no better off at the end, except I could show off I had these letters after my name. And they, um, and I ended up, that was the first time I ended up in AA with, um, I just couldn't cope. It was all too much for me, but I felt I had to reach, be the best in this perfection, all that bondage of self and nearly killed myself with a drink. And it's, um, and I realised that it's always there with me every single day. I have to keep going at it that because it, it keep, it'll come back in at the drop of a hat. And I, um, but it, it's really helped me to, to, to look at everything, that everything is, is a separate entity, this self, this self. And it's just really just, uh, I just make it up, false evidence appearing really. And I'm not, it's, it's like 90% of what really it didn't happen. You know, ten percent of it maybe did, and I was just dramatized, seeing everything. So uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, it's really, uh, mind you, it's only been two days. Uh, it could, all, I better come back next Tuesday as well. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, I swear, I swear, I remember it as a feeling when I saw that, because I had seen that sentence thousands of times on page 64, being convinced self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. We will now look at its common manifestations, but I had never felt it the way I felt it this one night. And that's sort of, the newness of it had a big wallop, but it's never changed from that day. Yeah. There was a recognition that what had defeated me was and is foreign. That recognition hasn't changed. Yeah. It may not have changed the course of certain days, but in the overall picture, it sure has. Yes. Because I'm convinced of that. I don't need any more further ident uh, investigation for that because I found that is the act of being identified as self is the basis of the bondage of self. Yeah. And that the mental obsessions is to reinforce the identification as self because it needs constant reinforcement because we're not self. So for us to take ourselves to be something we're not, it has to advertise that we have already been self. See, this is the trick. We don't even have the option of calling off becoming self. When it tells us we're self, it's like we are a historical self. In other words, you're already this that you're trying to get out of. So good luck getting out of it. Yeah, that is what was questioned. I don't believe it. Yeah, I just don't believe it. I do not believe I am a self. Yeah. <laughs> just that simple. I don't know what I am but I do know what I'm not, and I'm not that, yeah? And that has taken a lot of wind out of that sail, 
over the years, a huge amount. And it hasn't demanded an increase in thought and effort over the years. It's been actually the opposite. Yeah, it's been less and less effort. Yeah, and a more and more ease and comfort. Yeah. Because mostly the whole dynamic of the bondage of self is being identified as it. That's its dynamic. That's that's how it plugs into our energy source and lights up its story. Yeah. It's through identification as it. Yeah. When you see that, then you'll see that the thoughts are thoughts. They're not yours. Yeah. You don't own those thoughts. Therefore, you don't have to, it's sort of like uh, the idea, everyone wants to bring me back to earth by, but you won't be responsible then. No, you are. You see, I did my amends. I did the inventories. Yeah, I made amends to wherever was possible. Yeah. And what that led to me is realizing I'm not responsible. I'm accountable. That, that dog of self took a shit on my neighbor's lawn. The neighbor called me up. I got to go pick up that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got to make an amends to that guy. And then I tell him, I'm not going to walk the dog by your house anymore. That's my amends. Yeah. But I did not take that shit. The dog did. Yeah. I'm very clear about that. Extremely clear about that. So I don't have guilt about that shit taking for 30 years because I didn't take it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that simple. So I've lost interest in the guilt and shame because it's not about me. Yeah. That's why there's so much interest in guilt and shame about shit that you had nothing to do with because it's another form of obsessing over self. You, you shouldn't have done what you were driven to do by the parasite. Yeah. Now it doesn't show you the second aspect that you were driven by the parasite. It just demonstrates and pounds away. You shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have done it. Yes. And then the guilt and the shame becomes like a habitual whipping. It doesn't even have to go through the whole fucking case. It just shows you, you shouldn't have done it. And then there's the whipping occurs. Yeah. What is that but slavery? I can't see there's anything else. So what takes the whip out of it is you're not that. Yes. You did whatever you did because there was no other way you could have done anything else at the moment. Yeah. This, this, this insane mental field of speculation of, I, well, if I didn't, if I hadn't gotten hit by the car, I would be a retired pro surfer, but I got hit by the car. You see, it, it, it tries to riff off of shit that's not possible because something actually did happen. Yeah. So now it's telling you you're never going to be recovered while you're in recovery. It's insane. A lot of people who are sober today believe that really I don't feel sober, <laughs> but they are sober. Yeah, this is the insanity of what we're listening to. False evidence constantly compounding because it's appearing real to false evidence. I am not a mental idea called Paul Hedeman. Yes, I'm not. I'm a living event. I see, hear, feel, taste, touch. There's rumination around it. 
I have a sense of, of a space before thought and before activity. Yeah, I can see a whole lot of shit and that means I'm not that because I'm seeing it from somewhere else. Yeah, and I can't find a physical or a geographical location of me. I can't. I see Paul as a body, but what's seeing Paul as a body? Isn't the body Paul? It's awareness. Yes, it's spirit, whatever. And I feel it's all located right where we are in all these Zoom squares. The same basis is there for all of us. There's something alive and on that's facilitating seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and it ain't James or Paul or Joy doing it, yeah? James and Paul and Joy are a name, yeah, that's put on an interpretation of this event called living. And that interpretation can be wildly wrong quite often, yes? And it's there for one reason, to emphasize and obsess over the made-up character of joy while the living as joy goes unfucking noticed. Yes? So you get stuck with an interpretation and you lose the sense of living. It's a bad deal. Yeah? And it says it's already been made. You don't see any option because when you're feeling like joy you have been joy for 60 years, and you're going to be joy for 30 years, whatever, yes? It brings this historical weight that you are something. Now try to get out of it, yeah? Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, the freedom is before the bondage. The freedom of the bondage of self is before the bondage. It doesn't come after the bondage. It's always available before the bondage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, telling you, I'm not in a state of depravity right now. I have it. I have a, this life that's around me is beautiful. It's more than enough. Yeah. I don't have things barking at my heels. Yeah. I don't I don't have a hangover. I don't need to kiss someone's ass to get something that I feel like I essentially need, like a shot or something. I've been freed from all that occupation. Yeah. And I'm in joy, I'm in great gratitude for it. Yeah. And I stay in touch with people who aren't seemingly you know, in that state, that they are up the ass of self. And I empathize, empathize, I feel it, I know it, you know. And if you could be wished away, I would have done it already, but it can't. But I believe we are the light, I do. And that's what the parasite and the obsession with self does, it covers that up. It's like Jesus said, you know. It's like putting a bushel over the light. That's sort of like the bondage of self, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to, I wasn't hearing it in AA, so now it's heard in AA. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, Joy. Nice to see you. Right on, Paul. That was remarkable. Thank you. Um, we have a few more questions. Um, we have Duncan. Duncan, you have a question for Paul today. Come on in. Asking you to unmute. 
Hey guys, uh, Duncan, alcoholic. Um, thanks, Paul. I, I think you you sort of just answered my question, but let me let me just see if I can frame it another way. Um, I, I think I, I do sort of recognize, you know, after fifty one years, I do, I have sort of figured out that my problem is not is not like that I'm not in the moment because as you say, you're always in the moment. My problem is I'm always like trying to improve the moment or improve my experience of the moment. And uh, that is- Thank um, that's doing that, yeah. Sorry? Thank God you're not that which is doing that. <laughs> right, so, so, so let's say having, you know, recognized that in some way and maybe you can talk about your own experience where like, you know, it seems like uh, any sort of spiritual practice, prayer and meditation, 99 or 100% of it is self trying to get out of self on some level, right? I mean, and and so in a way, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, what what is, what do we do to 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 recognize this thing that's always already there that we're just kind of not able to uh well it's like it's in this case let's say you start at a and then you go to k you don't go b c d e yeah so What do you do? Well, you know, if you took it out of the thing of trying to transcend what you can't transcend, then you may see that the way of life of Buddhism is very good for the mental, physical, emotional, nervous system of the action figure. Yes. Yeah. And yet, if you missed a meditation session, it wouldn't be the end of the world. You would just not miss the next one if you could yes you wouldn't take it so fucking seriously because you would you would have the it, the objective clear it would be clear that yeah when i do that i feel more calm hallelujah end of story then maybe incorporate doing that for a while if it produces those effects yes but the idea the head claims everything that is brought into contact with so it doesn't matter if it's Buddhism or meditation or not meditating. If you're meditating, it tells you, you, sh you know, you should stop meditating. If you're not meditating, it tells you to meditate. It doesn't have any, it just switches. It just takes a, uh, an antagonistic view to create agitation, basically. Yeah. And if you, if you give a new, a, a, such a noble meaning to something like Buddhism, then it grows hugely in that fucking petri dish the self yeah when you think that meditating is so much more profound than washing the dishes something's going on yeah and i found in my own life the most nobility i gave any topic in this life was spirituality and i was at a point where i'd be practicing and my girlfriend who was just showering me with, me with love, wanted to go horizontal. And I'd be going, no, be gone, woman. I'm finishing my form and shit. It was fucking insane. You can, I can do that and also be a receptive to what life is fucking offering me. Yes? Yeah. 
I had that before. People believe their whole day goes well because they meditate, and hence they believe if they don't meditate, the whole day is going to suck. That's bondage of self. Yes? That's all that is. It's got you in a transactional deal that you're going to lose. Yeah? Yeah, so no, there is nothing you, you can do, yet you're going to do a lot of shit. That's the paradox of the place. So just do what seems to work right now on a simple level. Yeah? You come to this meeting, you haven't drank. Far out, it's worked in some level. Yes? Yeah. Kept you from the drink. I watched Bloodline on Netflix. I didn't drink. Hey, Bloodline had some value. I didn't drink. It went for two seasons. It kept me busy. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, take, let, you know, the body needs a lot of correction. It could. The physical brain, the body uh, continuum may need correction. Mine did, so I entered recovery or life brought me recovery. I got struck sober and, you know, that would have been forgotten in a day. But when I got struck sober, life conspired to bring me to an AA meeting that night. And the only reason why I went was the lady said I'd have to go to a meeting if I could stay at her house. That was it. And I've been going ever since. So what extended that, that miracle of being struck sober was the way of life of recovery. Yeah. One wasn't taking the place of the other. They worked hand in hand. So you are of a certain nature. And then there's an activity that can seem to blind you to that. Let's do certain things, skillful means, to sort of relieve the extreme importance that's given to this activity so that maybe some importance be, can be given to the spirit. Who knows, yeah? Not by this, but by losing interest in this, you'll gain interest in that of this, yeah? And that will go so far beyond fucking hyperventilating, trying to keep yourself submerged for eight minutes on the water, trying to have all these altered states, it will go so much farther. Just a loss of interest in Paul, telling the truth, really. Because you can be reinforcing the interest in Paul, doing all these events with the story of getting out of Paul. You may be reinforcing the Paul more than ever. That's how it goes. There's a great, great master called Ramana Maharshi. He put out an incredible, beautiful statement. And a lot of people wrote about his teachings. And in, in a lot of the writings, he says the same thing in various ways. And you know it has some importance because he frames it as the, the greatest mystery or the problem. And one of it starts out like this. The greatest mystery is reality wanting to attain reality, being ourselves reality, being ourselves reality wanting to attain reality. We, if we are reality, we must be in the act of being identified as something else to want to attain reality, yes? How would that, how could that be furthered if you are being ourselves reality, yeah? There would be no... It would be so ludicrous to attempt to attain what you already are. It only makes sense when we're something that we're not. We're taking ourselves to be something that we're not. Yes? 
We have an extreme version of it called alcoholism. So we're excessively obsessed with what we're not. Where most people are just on a standard version of obsession with what they're not. We're extremely obsessed with what we're not. And so it showed certain flamboyant manifestations other people's lives don't show. Yeah? So then there was a focus on it and the parasite was fucking revealed through addiction and alcoholism. And a solution was provided called the big book download. Yeah? Finally, there was a solution. Well, that it just it sort of begs the question, why are we all in this altered state? I mean, you know, that... no cares why. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, I'm hot. I don't care why. I just want to get cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Then you can, when you're cool, then think about, oh, why was I hot? But <laughs> when you're hot, just get cool. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it... In your I experience, you're just going to get hotter. Fuck it. In, in your experience, though, was this a sort of a gradual opening up to the idea or was it something that it affects were gradual for sure. But the idea was like a lightning bolt and that lightning bolt wasn't the idea. The idea has always been available at all times. Right. The lightning bolt just brought about that possibility to this dreaming that I was up the ass of self. Yeah. And then over time, things have happened. Yeah, for sure. I don't even take note. I don't know how I feel. I don't. During the day, I can say how my stomach feels, maybe, but I don't know how I feel. I'm feeling tons of shit. And basically, I just live the day and if someone says how are you feeling paul i don't know i don't i don't check in really i don't take my i don't take my temperature every five minutes i really don't yeah i've lost interest in all that i'm just living yeah that's all trying to share what has is that with that which is so intimate that I can't take it out and show you. I can't give it to you. It's not a thing, but it's more intimate than anything I've ever come in, uh, in contact with. Yeah. And I, I feel like we live life from that which comes after when we are from that which is before. I believe we are of a different nature than a physical, mental nature. I do. Yeah. And I feel the mental state has a starting at something that is manufactured after the event of living. Yeah. When you were a baby, life was happening. Then as we grew up, it turned into life's happening to me. That's the interpretation. Yeah. But what was first and primary is life is happening. The interpretation came later, but now it keeps implying that it's before. Yeah? Because the interpretation takes a form that's called you. You're manufactured. Yeah? And yet the you now says it's the thing that's living all day. Wouldn't you like, if that's off, wouldn't you like it to be corrected? Yeah? When, if you realize why it's been so hard to get where you're going because you've got the cart in front of the horse, wouldn't you like just to have the horse in front of the cart 
And in fact, that's the condition, really. That which is after has never taken the place of that which is before. We just believe it has, yeah? We have faith in finite self. We do. And the program is to take that faith and put it in the infinite. You can't do it. That would be more faith in finite self. So we, we surrender, we admit the conundrum that self can't get out of self. So I'm going to try, I'm going to just stop trying and see what happens. Yeah. And then I find that how you get out of self is realizing you're not one. Yeah. How do you realize you're not one? <laughs> by seeing it, by understanding it, by seeing that it's manufactured and reinforced by a mental activity, a lot of mental activities, yeah? But it can never put out the light that's before it, yeah? Never. Hallelujah. My life is just the horses in front of the car. When I was living in the act of addiction, the cart was before the horse. Yeah. I could not tell false from true. False evidence constantly appeared to be real to me. Constantly. Yeah. So my idea of going forward was really going backward. It was that extreme. Yeah. My trying to get out was really more being in self. <laughs> Who would have thunk? Yeah. Something put an end to it, and it was a, it has been a definitive end to it. Yeah. I'm convinced. I'm convinced self can't get out of self. And I'm convinced I'm not self. So hallelujah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not following the trials and tribulations uh, all day of self trying to get out of self. <laughs> I just don't, you know. It can tell me, you're really fucked, I don't care, I'm going to still walk in the yard. Or it can tell me, oh, you're the light of all lights and I'll still walk in the yard. It doesn't matter, yeah? I don't care what it's saying. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm so happy to be here. It's, it's nice to explore these ideas. So, Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Paul, we still have a couple more questions. Are you good? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. All right, next question from Dennis. Dennis, we're going to ask you to unmute. Come on in, Dennis. Thanks. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? I just, I, I'm so grateful that you did, do this. Uh, I mean, I've been sober like 32 years. Um, and I part of me wanting to get sober was to be able to, do spiritual work because when I was about 15 Buddhism made a lot of sense and gave me a lot of peace. And then it was getting sober and then investigating non-dual stuff over the years. But man, this format is, is amazing. And I'm so grateful for this. I was listening to a Ramana talk this morning and um, I'm fortunate because I'm a teacher, so I get some time off to, to be able to reflect on a lot of stuff and um, been able to get into some peace. But I don't know, man. Um, I guess just listening and listening and listening over and over again, I guess, right? Maybe? Yes, 
Well, you already heard it. So the listening is just a reinforcement of it. Yeah. It's already, it's there already. I mean, it's not like you're putting something foreign into you. Yeah. And I didn't even finish the Ramana thing. The Ramana thing was, that was one part of it, but he says, there's a presupposing of a non-existent thing being what? Paul, really. Yeah. And then that non-existent thing wanting to get salvation for the non-existent thing. Yeah, sounds familiar, yes? If that's the case, the spiritual practices, yeah, are reinforcing the non-existent thing. How can they destroy it? It's beautiful. Beautiful statement. Yeah? Yeah, but he, he does say efforts necessary. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I guess, but the, I mean, the good thing is I get glimpses of things and then I get some peace and then it's the mind and then it's not the mind, you know, but he does talk a lot about diligence and yes. well, he, he also he, talks a lot about being still and he was speaking to a lot of different people at a lot of different levels, which is what, you know, the fluidity, because he's not, uh, he's not like a, a bounded pool so he was very fluid and he was talking to the people where they were at at that moment yeah but there are certain things that are in all of the writings of his teachings that always are framed as the problem or the greatest mystery and there he speaks about this 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 act of being identified as something that you're not and then living and doing everything seemingly from there. And what that, what's that going to do is it's going to make the use of spiritual practices to have a different use, which is to reinforce that non-existent thing. How can they destroy it? So he was sharing warnings of what happens. Yes. When that the act of being identified isn't noticed and we live from there, this, what, this is what happens we try to get out of self as self as we capture in recovery, which is so beautiful. That's yeah. And he's basically, well, he used the word self meaning everything, but we're using it from recovery. So, yeah. So this presupposing of this non-existent thing, wanting to get salvation for the non-existent thing. Yes. That, that dilemma or that, let's say, activity going on unbeknownst to us puts this this light on spiritual practices that they will actually be used to reinforce what you want to get out of yeah which is the whole conundrum of self can't get out of self it's beautiful really so kind of yeah. like like what you were saying about overdoing like multiple fourth steps and stop doing that and and recognizing the the problem more as more than yes yeah it can be that can happen now somebody maybe those things but they'll all have value either they'll work let's say the extra inventories or they'll fail and they'll show you exactly what we've been talking about today self trying to get out of self it's beautiful either way. That's the beauty of this. From the view of what we are, everything has value. 
Yeah, it's not an antagonistic conflict event. It's a win-win. It's an inclusive thing. So what can a failed system show you? It's failed. That's an incredible value. Yeah. So when we're relying on self, what can reliance on self show us? That it's a failed system. That's valuable. Yeah. I feel. And so the same thing with Ramana's teachings like the idea of reality wanting to attain reality. Yeah. <laughs> ourselves reality, you see the fundamental futility of it all. Yeah. Which is, if you see it from the head, it's a super drag you'd love to avoid. If you see it from what you are, it's hallelujah, fucking far out. Yes. The charade can fucking end right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you're laying down and you're and you're going into sort of a trance, you see the value is going to be for the heart and the nervous system and the brain waves. You're not seeing like you're on a, a another act of transcending into the infinite. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, so yeah, come back and uh If I stay yeah. alive, I'll be here on Tuesday. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. Basically, that's the commitment. If I can do it, I will. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you, Dennis. Okay, Paul, we have one more question. We have Connor from Dublin. Connor, asking you to unmute. Come on in. Uh, Connor, addict. Hi, Paul. Connor, nice to see you. Hi. Yeah, um... Yeah, for many years I was um, looking for freedom from self and it was, the way I was trying to do it was I was trying to observe self as if I was a fly on a wall observing the action figure. And um, it actually was going up a cul-de-sac. It, was, it kept me clean and whatever for a long time. But um, I'd like to thank you for taking me one step further from uh, to actually see that, um, that self as other. I, I never... I went to Buddhist groups and they would all say, oh, there is no self. But there was a manic mind, you know, action going on in my mind of thoughts and things like that. And um, that was always happening for me, you know what I mean? And um, in, in, in spiritual groups or whatever, they would all say, yeah, there is no self, you know. But in reality, I was living inside my head, you know. Yeah. And um, to see self as, as other has just been a huge revelation. Of, it's, I, I'm really glad that, uh, that I've come across you you know what i mean uh, i'm gonna be uh, 32 years clean in the morning you know and um oh, i've no regrets but uh i wish i heard you 30 years ago and <laughs> um, because yeah you know i've no regrets but uh, yeah it was great you know it's uh, i'd just like to thank you and i'd also also like to say i really like to um you know when we're talking like we're flying with eagles here i really like the compassion you have when newcomers come on and ask you questions you know what i mean um you know Oh, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate what you do. Thanks. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate your space, your presence here, bro. Thank you. Yeah.